0: Welcome to the legal merry-go-round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face: brushes with the police, oh boy; family disputes, oh no; An injury and in accident situations, ouch. And now, here's Paul.
1: Hello everyone and welcome welcome to the legal merry-go-round where I want you to always avoid the downs and savor the ups both legally and in every aspect of your life. And today's show is going to potentially help you avoid the downs. So just as a start here, I want to offer that You know I'm an attorney and I practice law in Maryland and Virginia and primarily cases involving when people get hurt, injury cases. But I want to share with you that if you have any concern about anything at all in the law, I'd like you to contact me. And you can do that through your uh, ability to get onto my website and send me a message. The website is www.TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. Where then, after I get your message, I can refer you to an attorney that you can trust. I have a large network of attorneys across the United States who I know and who can take care of you properly. And by the way, when you're on the website, you can get lots of free articles. So, today, I told you earlier and I just started rambling here that what I'm going to share today could potentially protect you. And yes, indeed, it can. Today, is Monday, and this is marital Mondays. You know that on Wednesday, I talk about criminal things, and we call that wrongdoer Wednesdays. And of course, on Fridays, that's fender bender Fridays, where I talk about injury stuff. So here today, Monday, I want to talk about a concept called prenuptial agreements. I think most of you have probably heard about these. They're called prenups. These are agreements that parties put into writing before they get married. And by the way, it could also be something where they write down these types of concerns and agreements after they get married. Those are called post-nuptial agreements. But I want to talk today about pre-nuptial agreements before the parties stargazed, look into each other's eyes, and say, I do. All right. Joe and Maggie decided to get married. They were both 38 years old. Joe had opened his business a year before and was still struggling to see his first profit. Maggie had no desire to help Joe in his business. All right, you know, I guess I could live with that. She had a home with a mortgage that would be paid off in about six years, but it was a struggle for her to keep up the payments and make the necessary repairs. So... She was depending on having the house paid off as part of her retirement nest egg. After these guys get married, they pooled their money for their living expenses, including the mortgage payments and house repairs. Joe also did some repair and improvement work on the house, and he continued with his business. Well, all right, three years later, they decided to get a divorce. So when I come back, after the break... I'm going to tell you about what happened to Joe and to Maggie. The next couple that we're going to talk about was in Iowa. And this is a little bit of an older case, but it's very instructive here. They started dating in 2002 and they actually got married in 2004. The marriage lasted for about 13 years before he decides to file for divorce. Now when they got married, the wife worked as a nurse. And he worked at a manufacturing company and farmed on a part-time basis. Eventually, he leaves his manufacturing job to farm the 400 acres full-time. 400 acres, that's a pretty big place. My guess is he didn't do all that in one day. The farm never had a profitable year during the marriage. However, the husband was able to continue to farm by using the wife's income to pay for their living expenses and by refinancing His operating loans on the farm. Now, this was the second marriage for both of these guys and, well, excuse me, the second marriage for him and the third marriage for her. On their wedding day, he gave her a prenuptial agreement, which she signed. Well, they get divorced. At the time of the divorce, both the husband and the wife were limited by numerous medical conditions. He had lost several fingers in a work accident when they first met. He also had a triple bypass surgery during the marriage. Not a healthy guy. The wife suffered from a painful nerve damage condition and moved to Colorado to medicate with legal medical cannabis oil. Thank goodness for Colorado, right? The husband files for divorce when she moves to Colorado. He now wants to enforce the prenuptial agreement given to her on the day of their wedding. At the time of the divorce, the farm's value had increased significantly due to improvements that he had made. After the break, I'm going to come back and tell you about what happened to this Iowa couple. I want to talk about a celebrity case. Maybe you are familiar if you're a baseball person, Barry Bonds the all-star baseball player, Barry Bonds, with the San Francisco Giants. So in the late 80s, uh, he was earning $106,000 annually, which isn't a lot of money today for superstar baseball players. But back in the late 80s, that was pretty decent. So he married um, son in 1988, his wife. Now, prior to getting married, he asked her to sign a prenuptial agreement. Where she gave up rights to his earnings and his acquisitions during the marriage. She signed the agreement despite not having a lawyer present while he was represented by an attorney. So they were divorced. Again, this is all public record about six years later uh, and two children later at a time when his salary was much higher than when the prenuptial agreement was signed. So with the divorce, she sues to have the prenuptial agreement ruled invalid. She says, no, you know, I didn't have a lawyer present at the time, and my agreement to give up all that potential money, that's, that's not right. She argues that because uh, the agreement uh, was not signed with her lawyer, that it was unenforceable, and she demanded more money for both spousal and child support. So after the break... I'm going to come back and tell you what happened to Son and Barry. Don't go far. I'll look forward to talking to you and giving you all this really cool stuff in terms of what happened to these three couples when I return.
2: You know, One of the funny things about life is that you never know where you're going to be. I'm going to talk to you uh, right now about just a real case scenario, uh, and then we're going to get to the break. Uh, I I have a very good friend. He does domestic relations, divorce. He shares with me that he got a letter from uh, one of his former clients who is now divorced and has been for who knows how long, and this woman wanted to sue Her ex-husband for giving her STDs. So he writes back to her that given the length of time that she had been divorced, it might be very difficult to prove that the husband is the one who gave her the STDs. So then he gets another letter back from the former client, the woman, where she sends him a photo of the infected area. Now think about that. This is like, what? Somehow a photo doesn't prove who gave you the STD, lady. Oh, my goodness. I know people don't understand the law and evidence, but uh, it's like, you know, use your common sense. All righty. Here we're going back to the break. Or not back to it. We're now going to go to the break. See you soon.
0: Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case, or a criminal matter, or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again. That's thelegalmarygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free. No charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to legalmerrygoround.com And now, back to the show. <laughs>
2: so we're back
1: hope that you enjoyed that little break so listen at the very beginning of this program i mentioned Uh, about going to my website where you could download free articles. In fact, there's absolutely an article that you can download here if you like this topic, Prenuptial Agreements. Uh, When you go to my website, www.TheLegalMerryGoRound.com, I'd also ask you to do one more thing. Subscribe, please, to this podcast, because this is a relatively new show for me, and the success of it is... It is absolutely your support, and you subscribing to this would be very, very much appreciated. I want to tell you about Joe and Maggie. They were 38 years old when they got married. Uh, she uh, she had no business and uh, no interest in helping him with uh, the business that he had opened a, yeah, about a year before they got married, and this is the lady that had the home and she wanted to pay off the mortgage so that this would be something that she could count on in her retirement. So shortly after, I guess about three years or so, that's pretty short, I guess, for a marriage. I guess they just didn't, didn't click after that period of time. Um, they decide to get married. After uh, they get married, um, here's what happened. Maggie otherwise could claim, uh, and she did, part of Joe's business, and Joe could claim part of her house. The financial consequences of this, however, were such that If Joe's business is successful, he might have to borrow money to pay off her interest in his business because she gets part of it. Uh, This may get him in debt over his head and cause him to lose his business. Or he might have to even sell the business to settle the divorce case. And on the other hand, Maggie might need to refinance the house if she wants to buy out Joe's interest and keep the home. She might not be able to handle the new payments and might have to sell the house. So even if she could make the new payments, it would probably take her much longer than the six years she was counting off to pay off the mortgage, and that could uh, totally put a wrench in her uh, retirement plans. Maggie and Joe did not have a prenuptial agreement. If they had one, they could have avoided these types of problems. He had a potentially profitable business, but she had no interest in it, so there was no assurance that it would become profitable. Maggie had a degree of security in her house, uh, and Joe would have had no interest in her home if they weren't married. A prenup could have been written where Maggie would give up all of her rights to Joe's business uh, in the event of a divorce, and vice versa, Joe could have given up all rights to Maggie's home. This would have preserved her retirement security and Joe's profits from his business, but they didn't have a premarital agreement. The story that I read didn't tell me what happened. Uh, perhaps they just probably intelligently agreed to just walk away and leave them as they leave their situations as they were before they got married. But wouldn't it have been nice if they had that certainty? The second case I talked about, the Iowa couple dating in 02 and married in 04, well, um, under Iowa law, prenuptial agreements are valid if they are executed correctly. Prenuptial agreements are enforceable even if it's a bad deal for one party. So a prenuptial agreement, so you'll understand this a little bit better, is not enforceable. You cannot enforce an agreement that shields you or the other from assets of your spouse if the person did not execute the agreement voluntarily. If the agreement was unconscionable when it was executed, unconscionable, what does that mean? That means it's just ridiculous. It's just off the charts stupid. It means that it flies in the face of reason and common sense and fairness. And a prenuptial agreement is not enforceable if before it is signed, the person was not provided a fair and reasonable disclosure of the property or financial obligations of the other spouse. So if we sign an agreement and you don't know that I'm a millionaire, or if we sign an agreement and you don't know that I'm a million dollars in debt, then that agreement isn't necessarily going to be enforceable. And it's not enforceable if the person didn't have or reasonably could not have had an adequate knowledge of the property or financial obligations of the other spouse to determine if such an agreement is procedurally unconscionable i mentioned that word explained it the court is going to consider factors as whether the uh, other whether both parties had attorneys the legal and financial expertise of the party challenging the agreement the amount of time before the wedding that the party had to consider the agreement and any fraudulent practices to encourage the other party to sign. Okay? So again, you know, we have this situation where uh, this couple was married, uh, and I guess, what, three years later we said they got divorced. Um, Both had been married several times. So what happens here? The lower court found that the wife had no time to consult an attorney before she signed, and no financial disclosures were made. Okay, well, that's not cool. The husband signed and dated the agreement three days before the wedding, but the wife said that he presented it to her on the day of the wedding. We'll Talk about, you know, a little pressure there, right? The court found that there was no time for her to consult an attorney. The court found that the wife didn't have any specialized knowledge of legal or financial matters. A final blow to the husband's case was the lack of any financial disclosures. So here's this guy. He prepares this agreement. He walks down the aisle and says to his wife, Oh, by the way, sweetheart, uh, sign this, and you're giving up all your rights to anything. And she says, "Uh, uh, Okay, all right, where do I sign? The agreement was unconscionable. Therefore, the contract was unenforceable and the property could be divided without regard to the agreement. The court found that the wife was entitled to half of his net worth minus assets or support already awarded to her. Prenuptial agreements are contracts, and generally they are enforceable. This was an example where, uh uh-uh, not so. No enforcement. So the third case I talked about before the break was about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, home run king, San Francisco giant. He gets married, his wife's son. Eventually they get divorced. The case went to the California Court of Appeals, who determined that the prenuptial agreement was invalid, meaning son gets half. He appeals it all the way up to the California Supreme Court. Who rules in his favor? He says the, they say the prenuptial agreement is valid, deciding in favor of superstar Barry. The court concluded that the prenuptial agreement was entered into voluntarily and it was fair to enforce it. These agreements are often very, these rulings are often very fact specific. So let me give you some information that might help you if you are betrothed but not yet walked down the aisle. When a couple gets divorced, the parties are required to divide up their property. If they can't reach an agreement, the judge decides who gets what. Now most states have guidelines that the judge must apply in making the decision. The exact wording of course is different in every state, but the general ideas are the same and the following are typically considered. Whether the property belonged to one of the spouses before they were married whether the property acquired during a marriage was a gift to one or the other spouse, whether the property was inherited by one spouse during the marriage, whether the property was acquired by exchanging one of the types of property mentioned above. The length of the marriage is an important factor. The age and the health of the parties are certainly very important. Each party's financial circumstances, including their income, their occupation, their education, and their training, and their employability. So this is pretty clear. If you've got someone who never graduated high school and could barely read, and is, an agreement is pushed in front of them, well, okay, you know, that's not necessarily fair. Each party's contribution to the acquisition the preservation, or the appreciation of property. Prenuptial agreements can be a great tool to preserve wealth that's brought into a marriage. These agreements have to be in writing and must be signed by both parties. They're unenforceable if a party didn't enter into it voluntarily. If again it's unconscionable when it was executed or the party wasn't provided a fair and reasonable disclosure of the property or financial situation of the other spouse, and had no way of knowing about this information. So I would strongly recommend that if this is something you're looking at, you absolutely go get an attorney to assist you with this. Prenuptial agreements outline property owned by each of the future spouses, And the property rights available for each spouse if the marriage ends. This is clear that it can be very fair. Now, sometimes couples will make this type of agreement after getting married, when again I talked earlier about something called a post-nuptial agreement. Folks, many people uh, get the idea that marriage is going to be sensational, it's going to be forever. Um. I'm not trying to throw water on the happiness of the event, but 44% of marriages, that's the stats today, end in divorce. And it's even higher for second and third marriages, almost 67%, almost up to 74% of the time. People that get married, if uh, you will, uh, don't stay married. Um, Eventually one of you will die and the idea of a prenup or a postnup begins to sound like a good idea. The understanding that financial clarity is of some importance is clear enough. A valid prenuptial agreement can reduce conflict when a marriage ends in divorce or death. If you choose not to do this, your property is going to be divided according to the laws of your estate, which may not produce an outcome that satisfies you. Making a decision about what to do with your property beforehand allows you to avoid uncertainty and the possibility of disappointments. Now, I get it. It's not really romantic. Here, sign this. You know, all the love and the emotion and the happiness and the excitement. Oh, wait a minute. This is a contract? Well, marriage is kind of a contract, isn't it? Many critics argue that negotiating a prenuptial agreement before your wedding is wildly unromantic and the uncomfortable process can doom a marriage before it even begins. The flip side again, proponents say that the agreements can save a lot of heartache, not to mention money, in the event of divorce, especially, again, if it's not their first marriage. When a couple decides to split, these agreements can prevent nasty, drawn-out, excessively expensive court battles, because everything is already spelled out in the agreement. Everybody knows exactly who get who, who's going to get what and there's no room for argument. Here's the reality. If you or your spouse are wealthy, expecting a large inheritance, or entering a second, third, or fourth marriage, divorce or death wouldn't just mean heartbreak, it could also lead to very serious financial ramifications. In the event of a death, these are magnified if your spouse leaves children from a previous marriage. This is why more and more couples are opting to sign a prenuptial agreement. Takeaways. Here's some takeaways for you, final thoughts for for this conversation today. These agreements spell out how a couple will divide their assets in the event the marriage dissolves. They are important when one member of a couple has significant assets, a a large estate, or expects to receive a large inheritance or distribution, say from a family member or family trust. You should know that prenuptial agreements and even postnuptial agreements cannot address plans for a couple's existing or future children. So, this is just about property. It's not about rights with children. I strongly advise at least speaking to an attorney before you walk down the aisle and say, I do. And then when you do say, I do, you forget the agreement because we hope, and you hope, And I hope that you're never, ever, ever going to have to look at it. Congratulations, you're getting married. My name is Paul Samico, and I'm the host of The Legal Merry-Go-Round, where again, I'm always going to ask you to avoid the downs and savor the ups. The downs can be a divorce. So take advantage, open your eyes, and best wishes to you. Until next time.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. <music>